Welcome everyone to another episode of For The Culture Podcast, a soccer podcast for us, by us. We got a full house here tonight, man. We got your boy Grego here. You got Ringo in the, in the crib today. You got Coach in the building. Yep. And we got the, the wits up in here. Like I said, we had the, the whip back on last year, so we could like it's back, about time you came back on here, man. What's going on with you, man? Man, everything's blessed, man. Give thanks, you know. Happy to be here. Introduce the crew, man. Two sons, yeah, I got my two sons with me. Emmanuel Dawi, we call him Amanu. I got Mikael Dawi over here. Call him Miku. Both big ballers and um, shot give, callers. Yeah, gonna give us a little youth perspective and you know keep them close to us, you know. So. So yeah, for, uh, for those of you who don't know, we're actually on break right now. You know, we, we we've been grinding pretty hard for y'all. You know, most of this past year, like pretty much since like Christmas, I think. I, I think we it's like our first like real break. So, but we didn't want to leave y'all empty-handed. So what we're doing, we're gonna give y'all a couple of uh, topic episodes. We're gonna have this week. We're gonna be talking about youth soccer. Next week, we're gonna be talking about you know just soccer one on one because you know we, we got a lot of, a lot of people here who you know don't. They know soccer, but they don't know soccer. So uh, we'll, we'll set that up for y'all uh, in a little bit. But like I said, this week we're going to be talking about youth soccer, you know, think the the trials and tribulations, the ups and the downs. And, you know, hopefully uh, y'all dig this, you know, like I said, while, while we're on break. So, yeah, man, what's what's happening with you, Ringo? Man, life's good, man. Um, living life good, enjoying uh, good footy that's going on, summer soccer. So it's really exciting, you know. Cool, cool. You you you, t- you tired of uh, all the soccer? Like, are, are, you, are you have you had enough yet? I mean, are, I mean, it's just MLS now. So you know, you got you got you got work with your top five. Yeah, I mean, no, it, it's MLS is still good. This is when it starts to heat up. You know what I mean? So um, only got like a couple more months. Like uh, Labor Day, man. That's it, man. It's <laughs> gonna be over quickly, man. It's all good. So yeah, man. Um, like I said, we we. Hey, hey, but hey, coach, man, how you how you doing, man? How's, how's your this, break this, going? This is your episode. This is your yeah, episode. Man. How's your break going, coach? Coach Tony, it's going well. It's going well. I'm doing well. Hey guys, I don't know if you guys know, man. Thank coach, you for coach, asking. Coach has had a, a rough summer of soccer. Every, every summer of sports, really. Every team he supported has just been been stinging it up. So you know, we're gonna see. Hopefully, when we get back from the break, man, he can start winning some things. Man. I know, right? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man. Uh, you know, we we got to do our slices on. Um, you know, like so, like tell us, like you know, like like your background in in, uh, in youth soccer, and like like how, of course, of course, we know your background with you know playing with with uh, with Tony uh, back back at the. I guess it's A H U. Is it A H U or is it D H U or? Okay, see, audience, see, see, Grego, see, audience, y'all don't understand, Grego is trying to pull me out, he is, uh, I'm trying to be a respectful gentleman tonight, and uh, be quite on my P's and Q's, but he keeps on testing me right now, so, um, yes, uh, DeWitt went to me, to the HU, the one and only HU, uh, since 1867, We've been called the HU. There's other schools that didn't become that until 1987 or 86 oh. or whatever. Ooh. But we're not going to get into that. But, yes, it was a teammate with mine back in the day. And who's won national championships, right? Thank you. All right. No. Let's go. Like so, <laughs> so tell us, like, like, like so let's, let's wind back the clock a little bit. Like, like tell us about, like, like, your growth in the game. Like, like where did y'all start? You know, how, how, like, tell us about that process. Well, yeah, I started. I started playing um, at the rec level, um, age of four, in Augusta, Georgia, okay. and uh, moved up through the club, playing club there, Arsenal Gunners. Um, if you've heard of that youth club, and then when I came to Atlanta, joined some clubs here. Um, clubs no longer here, Data Graphics and Concord and. Some other youth clubs basically kind of got burned out of. Uh, I was a two sport player i played basketball and you know soccer and um you know just coming up uh i think got a little burned out playing playing soccer every weekend we were traveling parents politics you know and um i I think my ninth grade eighth grade ninth grade year i chose i chose basketball to kind of focus on Mm -hmm. and um it was a little short 
was a point guard, <laughs> baller, but was a little short. Right. Got to high school. Everybody found out I was a baller. I kicked ball, you know, through, uh, you know, PE and everything. They found out I was a baller, and I ended up uh, start start playing ball, kicking ball again, like my junior year. And, um, you know, I played varsity, captain the varsity team. Always knew I could play at a top level, but I didn't have that club experience um, during those years. I stopped playing club ball, like, my seventh grade year here in Atlanta so I didn't have that the tournaments and all the things that gets the shine but I knew I could play at a top level so mm. you know I took a little different route um when I gra- graduated um high school I went down to Jamaica linked with my family down there balled down there got a different you know that perspective that love for the game again mm-hmm. went to Africa lived in Africa for a year got that love for the game and uh ended up at Howard walking into coach's office and saying I wanted the ball and he gave me a shot so, you know, and that's where I linked up with Tony. And I started I started coaching um, during the summers, right? So mm. at Howard, when I was off season, I started working with soccer in the streets and um, running some other um, youth soccer from ages four to, I think, around 13, but mostly just doing camps. Yeah. And that was, like, my summer gig. Okay. So that's where I started getting into, like, working with the kids and really enjoying that. You know, and then now I got kids of my own, you know, and um, just always, you know, did my best to, you know, uh, show them my love for the game and not force it on them. And just it's something that they love and we're able to share. So it's a beautiful thing. My my biggest thing with them was playing with them from a young age. All, we always had a ball at their foot, just just playing. You know, I would play with them, play with them. They would mimic what I was doing and come up with their own creativity. And then we put them into a little structure over at Inter Atlanta. Um, I think they both started around four years old in the rec program. Okay. And, at, um, at Inter. At Inter Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, Inter Atlanta FC. They've been with the club. You know, we've been with the club since, you know, like I said, they're, uh, Manu, uh, Manu is, what, 16 now? Yeah. Miku's, what, 13? So they've been with the club, uh, you know, from the ranks of rec. Then they moved to the academy. Um, Miku was the youngest in the academy at Inter. He started when he was seven mm-hmm. in the academy. I think seven, seven, eight. He was he was he was turning eight. And Amanu started um, at the age of nine. They both play select now, so yeah. you know they'll give you their perspective on you know For just sure. just playing you know yeah. just playing you know let coming me, up. Yeah, let me ask you, uh, uh, Manu, like how you sixteen years old. How did you know when you were ready to transition from recreational soccer to, you know, wanting to be on the, you know, kind of the, the academy teams? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I already know eventually um, after a while of playing rec soccer, um, I was kind of getting bored, to be honest. You know, it's not really that like structured, like with referee and, and there's no like. There's no throw-ins. There's no corner kicks. Really, everyone. It's just parents rolling in balls occasionally, and so, um, I I don't really remember much how I transitioned into academy. But I know once I transitioned into academy, I I, I fit in like right then and there. Like I knew I could play at that level. Yeah. Um, and so after that, progressing like playing more games, getting more experience is really key. Um, so yeah, I just got more experience playing academy and then, you know, when you age 13, you go to play select. So, I mean, it was really, it just, it was smooth. Yeah. You know, it was a smooth transition. Yeah. For sure. In, uh, Amiku, right? Yeah. Well, what about you? Well, you know, so you're 13, so you're playing in the U14 team, right? Uh, yes, sir. So, So what about you? How did you know when you were ready? Or did you just, it was the same thing like your big brother, you know, it was like, it just was a good fit. Yeah, I knew, like, when I was, like, little that I was just better than everybody on the field, so I kind of wanted to challenge. Rumble, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man them used to score enough goals, you know, how two or three youth on, on the little uh, rec teams that's just balling, and yeah. that's how we know, right, Coach? That's how we know we them two, yeah. how we pulling, you know, yeah, we, so. need to, we need to move them up. Nico was always that kid that was, it was so funny because he knew, he knew everybody at Inter from U19 all the way, like, he was, like, the little mascot for it because he was always on the pitch with us. Yeah. I was coaching, Manu was playing, Miku was just tagging along. 
And um, so he always had a ball at his foot, and uh, and there were a lot of eyes on him, mm-hmm. you know, from early. Like, yo, we want that kid. We yeah. want that kid. So, you know, and Amanu too, you know. But um, you kind, you know, during the wreck, you you kind of see who has that that little spark and that love and that little vibes and gotcha. you know you you bring them into the academy so it was a pretty smooth transition for both of them so i'll um i'll ask so you got um both of y'all since you're coaching you know so how do you have that conversation with parents saying hey like this you know this kid is really really more talented than everyone else out here I recommend you going to this club here. It's going to cost about this much money. Like, how do you get over the money hump and and kind of have that conversation with parents? You want me to go first? Um, that conversation is actually the easier one. Mm-hmm. The The harder one is the one where you have to kind of get parents to recognize reality. Oh, the kid's not good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, because a lot of parents, I would say 85% of them, think they're – child is going to the next level right and so um to kind of rein in the reality of like okay your kid yeah they play a lot and they might be on this team but to be honest at the end of the day they're just going to be you know another soccer player um but for the kids that are above and beyond i mean you know the cream rises to the top so when you see the kids that do stand out when you're like I mean, we see this in soccer streets right now. Like, if there's a kid that we know that should be playing at a higher level, we're like, okay, we're going to make our con- connects. Hey, um, we know finances might be hard or whatever, but we will talk to the certain powers that be to try to make things better, whether it be scholarship or we ourselves will try to do some fundraising. Um, I mean, we've been fortunate enough that the kids that who are at that level and talented enough to play at a high level – um, that they've been supported financially, and then typically with the parents, of course, they're usually all in with that. Um, so to kind of educate them about the process, yeah, we, we'll let them know that, like, hey, this is a whole different cultural experience because when you get into this whole pay-to-play structure where parents are shelling out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for their kid to play at a high level and have personal trainers and go to every single tournament and to be at these ID camps and to be exposed at whatever college campus. I mean, like that's a whole different, you know, structure. And especially when they're going to fields that have immaculate grass, whether it be at ESPN Disney, whether it be a lane night training ground. I mean, like, it's a whole different experience from coming to where you're playing on, you know, pitches where there's dirt all in the middle of the field. So that is a part of education process of like, okay, look, this next level, yeah, it's you're playing at a higher level as far as competition, but let's look at like the logistics of everything. You're going to, you know, suburbs or rural areas where there's cow pastures. And you're going to be playing in tournaments all day long. And nobody's going to be around. Mm-hmm. And there's not a, you know, a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A nearby. Like, so there's these those little nuances that you kind of have to educate the family about, about, like, okay, if you're going to be playing at this higher level and these crazy terms that cost an arm and a leg, it comes at a price literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. So there is a little education process. That part, to be honest, to me, is easier than to rein in the reality for the other parents who think their child is already at that level and they're really not. Gotcha. Anything else you want to add to that? No, I, 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 uh, no, I agree with everything Coach is saying. Um, you know, the main thing is just making sure the parents know the commitment mm-hmm. level, you know, because it's one thing, that, you know, kids having a commitment, but it's a, it's a huge commitment. You have to, you know, being a parent and a coach, you know, I, I see it from both sides, so the beautiful thing was I was able to be at the pitch because I'm coaching mm-hmm. four times a week with their practices, you know, and then you got games on the on the weekend. So, but it, it's a it's a large commitment. I even uh, had to take a break from coaching at Inter to focus. I was missing all of their games. Mm-hmm. You know, they're playing here, there, and I, I wanted to see them play. You yeah. know, and, and be there to support. So, and I I would have two, three games. You know, traveling up and down the road. They're traveling up the road. So, um, so it's a huge commitment for for the parents. So to, just to make sure that they're in the mind frame of, all right, are y'all in? 
because yeah. kids need that. Yeah. You know, they need that support. So it's, it's coaching the parents as well as the kids, like, when it's time to go to that next level. Yeah. yeah. And, edu- and like Tony said, educating them and letting them know the reality of it, you know, the levels, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, some kids, you know, they, you know, some kids are, um, you know, just not at the, – the beautiful thing is there's, there's a level for everybody, you know, and you just got to find the right fit, the right team, right. you know, the right support for – for those youth, you know, and I never write out, write off any other youth because I remember having the bottom teams where, you know, they, these kids got stuck on the bottom teams and I would take those kids and now they turn into championship teams and now they all play elite, you know, and these were the kids that could have got lost or right. could have got tossed away through the politics, right? you know, so. So. You, you want to, let's talk about the, you want to talk about the politics of it now. We want well, to keep kind, it fun? I mean, there's there's another aspect added mm-hmm. to that is that what doesn't get really exposed is that like yeah, with a lot of youth soccer with all these academies and all these clubs that everybody's playing these tournaments. Like, there's a lot of like watered down tournaments, mm-hmm. and so what I mean by that is like there's. So there's a lot of tournaments where there's a lot of clubs that will say, yeah, we won such and such tournament. Yeah, but there's a lot of trash and garbage in it. And what I mean by that is, like, it's not really competitive. There's no quality teams there. Right. Mm-hmm. So a uh, quick, quick question, Rook. Let's uh, just take a, a quick step back. So, like, what – um, like, tell us, like, like where where does youth soccer – like, like what levels – like you said, like, like there's still like, like, like you – Like, so boys, there's classic one, two, three, four, five, and all yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What does that mean for someone? If this is the first episode listening. So, like, if you imagine, like, the premiership okay. of being, like, in the top level, you can think of, like, DA Academy um, as the top levels. So, DA is, like, where you're talking about, like, the Lane Uniteds, where their academy teams are competing and everything. Okay. Um, but then you have, you know, like, the classic ones, twos, three, fours, and so on, which is levels where there is grego you'll be excited mm. there is pro rel say what <laughs> oh, yeah. there is pro rel within youth soccer yeah yeah the kids can handle but the grown-ups can't <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up <laughs> so, so the, but is it legitimate promotion or relegation within the academy system or is this like if they do not perform over a certain period of time no, it's season to season. So it's season, pro real. So yeah. season to season. So does so they on the age group so, and everything. But so the higher up in the rank that an academy is or a select team is, they're they're charging more money, I'm assuming, right? <laughs> so it becomes really, really competitive and really political, I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. So well there, there's there's layers to that. When you, when you talk about charging more money, so like there's money to be on a team, but then there's the the expenses to be had when you're traveling, right? Um, so that's really the so I, I the s- nuance of like okay, so yeah, I may be playing for the you know X Y Z team, but we're going to okay, we might be going to Augusta Georgia this weekend, and the next weekend we're going to Rome Georgia, and then this week we're going to Valdosta. Oh, and then we're playing this regional tournament, so we're going to Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, and then we're going to the whole Southeast thing, so we're going to like Houston, Texas. Yeah, I mean it's it's similar to the A. The A is real fast. Well, yeah, yeah. So you're talking about you know gas, travel, Hotel. hotels, food, chartered bus. Exactly. Who's so team he plays on the national. Oh, but you didn't talk about what you had to pay for the coach as well, too. Oh yeah, coaches fees. The coaches fees as well. So these are all the nuances of. You know, when you talk about this pay-to-play model, mm-hmm. there's several layers. It's more than just okay, we're registering our child to play, and they're paying fifteen hundred dollars just to be a part of a team. Oh, what? So, so, what? What? Yeah, you heard me. What? Fifteen hundred dollars just to be on the team, and that doesn't count. That's just to be on the team. Yeah. Just the rest of you the do teams. probably get your home and away kit, and maybe a training top. Maybe no, you gotta you gotta buy the kits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta purchase the kits. Yeah. That does not include the t- right. the kits. So, it, so, so which you get so clearly, a discount from soccer.com. Yeah. 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 So clearly, I need, I need, I'm in the wrong field. I need I need to redirect FTC UTD to my, my Shopify and just start making youth kits. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Seriously, you could corner the market with you with youth soccer. If you get one club to latch on, you good. Because you got to think about with each youth club, mm-hmm. 
you got probably two or three teams at each age level, all the way from U19 all the way down to U4s. Huge, man. man, where the cash at, Grego? We need to. That's huge. Hey, this podcast thing, it don't work out, bro. We're about, to, we're about to become <laughs> lids. And all you have to say, it's required to have these items. Right. So, so you have to have both the home and an away kit, otherwise you're done. Right. Right. So. So, yeah. it, so it's a so it becomes a system of the haves and the have nots mm-hmm. in the youth soccer game, and mm-hmm. it trickles all the way up to. Uh, have I mentioned about how youth sports in the past is a seventeen billion dollar industry? Have I mentioned that? No, you, 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 no, you, no. Oh, okay. This is a new. This is the first episode for I'm a lot sorry, of people. So mention us. Yes, youth sports in America, just America, is a seventeen billion dollar industry. Wow. I wonder what it is like in other countries, like especially in Europe. It's not that. It's not that. Because there's several layers to it, but, you know, a big part of what has been funneling that industry is the fact that here in the United States, which is quite unique compared to any other country, is that, you know, what we sell is that if you're within any club system or academy or whatever they're saying, if you play with us, we will get you what? A scholarship. Mm -hmm. That's not the same when you go to Europe. About that, that is but not the same in wh- Europe. Why is it not? Because they because pretty much when you go the same in Europe. No, no, no. Right, but when you go to an academy in Europe, they pay for your education, right? Some parts. It's, it's the same, but they pay for a majority of your education, mm-hmm. right. right? So essentially, you get equivalent of a quality private school education here in America. Are you talking about if you're with a club? As yeah, far as with like a club. South, so if, let's if say you play, Southampton. you play for Southampton Academy. Yeah, your right? education is paid for. Your education is fully paid for, right? Yep. So they don't. So how does school work there? So primary and high school is that is they're that state looking, funded? They're not looking to be paid to go to college. Their whole right. So no, but that's what I'm saying though. So like. Over there, I'm trying to understand the education system there, if anyone knows. So in, in Europe, Africa, everywhere. Mm-hmm. So is elementary and high school, is that paid for by the state? Or does or it's just not paid for at all? So basically, if you don't pay for school, you don't get an education. Is that how it is anywhere else? Does anyone know? I don't, I'm not going to speak. I don't, I, I'm not expert on that part. part. Right. But as far as my understanding, like, you're good to go on that part. On that part, but that's what yeah. I'm saying. So like, over so. there, you're essentially paying. So you join an academy team for Southampton, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the age of eight years old, they're mm-hmm. giving you a quality private school education that's going to lead you to get the right skills you need to go to Cambridge or go to any other the top universities. But, but that's the thing, though. No, like, no, you're, that's you're, that's, you're that's not, the part that's debatable. No, because like, so when you talk about the academic part of it, no, it's not. So you're telling me they just go there to play? Because so an eight-year-old eight like, eight is not getting a quality so, education a year. So like here, what's starting to develop here in the States, like the IMG academies, and there's several academies with, here within the States where they are. I mean, I'm, I'm going to call my boy out. My boy, he coaches in this school that's only five or six years old in, um, what you call it, um, Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And it's known as a academy where, like, it's almost known as a sports academy where the kids only go to school for like three to four hours out of the day, mm-hmm. and then the other hours they're only pra- they're practicing whatever sport they focus in. So no, the it's reason like the college, reason why, so but the, like but the reason I asked that is because all right, so you're in America, we're taught go to school, go to college, right? Go to school, go to college. It's not the same. It's not the same formula over there. Because you got essentially it is. No, it is. What do you mean? No, you're because paying not, to go to school. No, no, no. Because no, remember, not. in most cases, you're going to school to play the sport, and 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 there, you're not. If you do happen to, to go to the college there, you're you're not not going to go there to play the sport. Just, right? No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. So you go there like that. Barcelona wants you. They want you because you know how to play soccer. Mm-hmm. So the way they pay you back is that they give you a quality. But education. they're not going to college. Right. That's the end result. Because in the states, we're going to let's college. Say you don't make... There, the end result is not college. The end result is get on a team. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. Because even if you don't make, but Barcelona, it's all, okay. So everyone so who gets talking, washed out. But, so okay, if you, so if you're you going don't, to, no. Wait, so if wait, you get wait, kicked Rico, out, Rico. no, no. If you wait, get wait, kicked wait. out of the team, wait. If you get kicked out of the team, you you no longer have your education, right? They're ready for that for that academy that or whatever. Academy. You can right. still go to a school, but you pay for it out of pocket. Well, in most countries, they they, they pay for it. So it's yeah, they got public. Yeah. They got it's they got public schooling. and private. Right. They got public and private. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but in, my my whole point is that if yeah. you, the, the end result is that here, the end result you're trying to get a college scholarship. Most other countries, the end result is that you're trying to get paid to play. Because even if you don't make it at 
at Barcelona, you could still go to uh, Girona and be fine, and still probably and still be playing. I mean, I'm a, I'm a product of I'm, I know for myself, my end result was like I want to play college soccer so I can mm-hmm. you know be at that level. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, I was never thinking, oh, I want to get paid to play. Right. So totally different mindset. So when you talk about pay to play here. It's a whole different mindset. You're trying to literally build your resume to, for whatever. If you're not going to play, it's if you're not going to play right professionally. It's a different focus, whereas life and death is a different situation. Because over there, it's like a lot of people are going in like I am going to pay to play. No, I'm sorry, I'm not going to pay to play, but I'm playing for a system where I hopefully get paid right into the livelihood. To of it. it's like trade feed school. My it's like trade family. school. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, but it's essentially child labor. See, so yeah, oh, and that's whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, let's be like you know, <laughs> no, we're, we're talking mean, about youth soccer. We're talking about if globally, you want based right? on U.S. definitions, then it is. But it, at the same it, time, who says U.S. definitions are correct? Yeah, that's true. So think about how many. I, I don't. Like, I wish. I, I wish we had the stats on it. Like how many kids wash out of the academies in Europe? What, oh, what happens to them? It's tons. So what happens? It's to just them? like here in the NBA. What happens with in basketball? Yeah, every kid thinks they're going to the NBA, but no. one point one, not even one percent make but, it. But keep, but keep in mind, there is that. But all these no, kids are going to AAU. We, we talk about and going to IMG. But no, they don't make it to the NBA. Over they're here, going to Oak Hill Academy. Over here, we have a fascination with everything that everyone else does outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, they have a fascination with what we do. No, but what, <laughs> no, what I'm saying is with the youth sports, it's like with AAU, everyone is trying to play. With every youth sports here, they're trying to get a college education. Ultimately, that's what we're trying to do here. That has been so, our model for the long So what these youth systems are saying is we're mm-hmm. going to teach your kids how to play a sport. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay us a lot of money to get them to the highest level that a college university is going to pay for their college. Where fees are going up We're year going to help year. you with your, your resume to gain college and get a scholarship. To get a college. Whether it be academic right. or sports. But wise. let me ask you this. What's wrong with that? I didn't say anything is wrong, but if it's the main nucleus of what we're doing, then, yeah, there's a problem with it. No, There's a problem with it in, along the terms of... What's the problem? No one's told me the problem with that. If I, we're I, trying to get kids I, to college... I think like you're not trying. That's to, your end result. Yeah, that's the, what you. The end result, as far as actually developing professional players, exactly. So is that co- college that's doesn't why you got do a trash as far as national team that can't make the World Cup. College doesn't. doesn't one do, year we didn't make it. College doesn't, doesn't oh, do nearly enough. And it's going to continue to, develop to be that way. Professional players because the college season is only like three months, and you compare that to everywhere else, and then because they don't have to worry about college sports. Period. The you're basically going straight into a professional environment where the season is going nine, ten months out of the year. So let me let me ask the the young men in the room. You know we're you know we're all old and and, and, and broken and stuff like that. So knowing the pay, you guys hear a definition of pay to play model. So you play. So are you playing soccer for the for the joy of it, or are you playing soccer to one day possibly go to college? Let me ask that. Especially, you're 16 years old, so you have two years left before you can go to college. Damn, so, it, or it's like I know, right? No pressure. I know, right? <laughs> no, no, it, no. But <laughs> no, no, no. I, I want to know like what your mindset yeah. is at 16. Um, knowing yeah, both ways. Yeah. So, um, I'm not playing soccer to go to college because I already have good academics to go to college. I'm not worried about going to college. I want to see if I can play college soccer at that level. But like, I play soccer. For the love of it, like mm-hmm. for the love of the game, like I'm not, like, so, like I have a really good friend who wants to be a professional soccer player, no matter what. Who wants to get paid to play? He wants to travel to Europe, play for some fourth English league, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever he can to play professionally. But for me, like I love soccer, obviously, and to be to be able to pay, like to be able to get paid playing soccer would be a wonderful profession. Mm-hmm. But but college wise, like. Since I'm heading into my junior year, I'm thinking of college as more like from the academic standpoint, not mm-hmm. from the athletics standpoint. And for someone who, like for him, he's not he that like for from his standpoint, he's like playing soccer for, to be a profession. Exactly. Right. Like he is. He's going to play college soccer. He's planning to play um, Division Two soccer okay. and try to work his way up to maybe transfer to Division One school or maybe like child for some club teams around the area because we have some semi-professional teams in Georgia. I know that for sure. Right. So for him, it's it's just 
it just depends on which standpoint you're from. But for me personally, no, I'm not trying to get paid to play like in the future, and I'm not playing soccer for college. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. See, about you, it's, it's good to hear kind of you know what the kids are thinking. You know, what about you, Mix? Well, obviously, I'm playing soccer for the joy, but I also want to take it to college as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe not go professional. I mean, if I have a chance to, then of course. But you know, all that hard work and stuff, I kind of wanted to use it for something useful mm-hmm. instead of joy. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, that's, that's so, but see, so but see, that's what I'm saying. Over here, it's like, we always talk bad about pay to play, but right. it's it's motivating kids that want to perform to get to college. Yes. Especially for some people that may not have the ability to pay for college. Mm-hmm. So is it a bad thing, Greg? Get off your phone, man. We record. Man, listen. But um, <laughs> is it my turn? I no, no I, I think that. <laughs> Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just more so, like I said, what is your end in, in, in goal? Is it what two, is that you keep saying that? What is that? What does that mean? Because like you have two different end goals. Because like some, just like how, how the boy said, some people play college soccer to just just play that you know and take care of their education. Mm-hmm. Then you have some people who want to actually go play professionally. But if we all know. Actually, I'm, I'm going to let you answer, and then I'm going to save my statement. Go ahead. What You want to take your turn? No, please, by all means, finish your statement, sir. No, so if we know that college soccer is so bad, mm-hmm. right? Everyone says college soccer is so bad because it's only a three-month three season. Three months out of the year. Three months out of the year season. Mm-hmm. And there are academy systems set here in America with MLS clubs, right? right. More and more MLS clubs are getting academy systems. Mm-hmm. So why even go to college if you want to be a professional soccer player? That's my whole point, Greg. I mean, Ringo. But, but why? That's well, it's my a new point. model I'm, that's happening right now, though. Because, see, when we were coming up, Tony and I didn't have didn't Atlanta have the United. The option. We, didn't we have had the maybe the silver, you know, but, yeah, but, but we didn't have – we're thinking, okay, Division One was our goal right. to play at that level, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's paying for school, whether you're thinking, okay, Division, but you don't really have that – that faraway vision. I got that vision from traveling, mm-hmm. right? Being in Africa and being in these countries and being like, oh, I could come over here and play first right. division, get my whole house taken care of, live like a king. You know, you're making, you know, you're not maybe equivalent to $20,000, $30,000, maybe not even that much, but everything, be a professional soccer player over in Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Say in Tanzania, you play in first division. Yeah. And you coming from another. They taking, you got a house, you got a, a, a woman cooking for you, you got a woman cleaning for you, you got a car, you're king of the little area there. Right. So in my head, I thought, well, even if I, even if I didn't go to play on some, you know, that, that dream was never there, but I knew I could travel with the sport because mm-hmm. I could go anywhere. I could go to South America. If I could play at a level, right? you know, I could go to these teams and, and play if I wanted to do that and travel for a little bit and, you know. I right. got you. So I mean, back, back then there wasn't like an in-between that there is now. Gotcha. Yeah, so gotcha. now it we got to let it. It now, was, hot or cold. It, it was yeah. go to. It was either go – when you guys were growing up, it was go to Europe or yeah. go to college, yeah. basically. That basically. was it. Or South America, yeah. Central and America. And it wasn't yeah. very – it wasn't a lot of uh, Americans going to Europe. Right. It's more yeah. now. Right. You were balling your ass off. Yeah, I think Landon Donovan and those yeah. those kind of players were starting to get get some, you know, notoriety, Dempsey, you know, no, but different. even like I, I had – you know, a, a good childhood friend, you know, he played down in South America, and he wasn't making much. Mm-hmm. But he was a professional at that level. And he, like, you know, he balled out at, you know, a certain small um, private school here in the States. Okay. And so- got looked at by scouts. And he was fortunate because he used to go to all these ID camps and all these, like, foreign scouts would go to. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to form a connection with somebody and was able to get – you know, hooked up with a, a gig down in South America, and he bounced around a little bit, but he wasn't making much or whatever, yeah. anything, but he technically was professional for that time. And that was like, that was a rarity. That wasn't a norm. That was a rarity. So let's talk about um, agents approaching youth, youth soccer. The youth. Yeah. yeah. So, like, so how how do you guys feel about that? It's like people, you know, selling a dream to these parents and signing these big contracts with these kids and things like that. Oh, I, I, we still need to get your boy on here because, you know, he got he got that, that crazy story. Which Tuse. boy? Tuse. 
Two's. Oh, Two's got several stories. <laughs> two's got stories, but also there's other guys that we know stories with agents as well, too, because, I mean, I don't know if some of y'all have seen, like, some of the, you know, like, the YouTube videos about um, the kind of slave trade that's going on with, with soccer as well, because agents have kind of, you know, selling these dreams of kids, and we're seeing here in Atlanta, locally, I'm not going to mention any names of people who've gotten involved with that, but they're kind of selling their kids into kind of a soccer slave trade. And so, and the slave trade with that is that yeah, basically, um, so what's going on with that is that these agents or these uh, team reps have kind of sold these, you know, these players' dreams that they're going to play professional, which they do play professional or whatever, but it might be in some, you know, remote country that has a very low uh, regulated league. And so a player might not have full access to their passport and visas and basically essentially get locked into being um, stalemated within that country. So Mm -hmm. they're at the whim of whatever club or agent, however the deal may go. So that actually happens more often than it gets publicized for. That's sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But and so that's one side. That's the ugly side of the agency agent side. Um, how I feel about the agent stuff. I mean, that's, that's part of the open market thing, mm-hmm. you know, where it, it's a nasty business, but at the end of the day, sport is a business. And so when you're talking about trying to get the latest, fastest, newest, youngest thing, that's what agents do. And so they're definitely like, I mean, you know, you see all these headlines, like was it May United just signed, you know, Going after the latest, you know, 17, 16-year-old who has the next whim. And a lot of times their contracts are based on potential as opposed to what they've done. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing. Um, but is it grimy? Is it sick? Yeah, there's some grimy and sickness to it. So, um, But at the same time, we then got to look at what do you, you – know, here in the States, what we classify as an adult, the representation and everything, have a parent present. You know, we definitely learned that with um, what you call it when they see us. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, these are things you gotta consider when trying to go pro at a certain level. I mean, this is not just with soccer. This is with gymnastics. This is with baseball. Baseball's been doing this for the longest, but since baseball is America's pastime, we just accept it. Right. But because soccer is now again more glamorized and there's more money. Now we're starting to like, oh, snap. Starting to see it. Yeah. So, and basketball is an issue because the NCAA is involved. And NCAA, as we know, is a mafia. Mm-hmm. But we won't get into that discussion. <laughs> That's what this episode is about. We're talking about youth soccer, youth sports. So let's talk about we, – we talk about all the negative stuff. Let's talk about the, the good things. So, like, yeah. what, are the, what are the kind of the good things you guys are seeing that is happening in youth soccer today? Um, well, one, one, one thing that I love about – you know, just having my boys in it is uh, the discipline that is is taught them. You know, is uh, I mean, they have a passion for it, but it's something that they're very um, uh, dedicated to. You know, you training, you're training three, four times a week, mm-hmm. Saturdays and Sundays. You know, you have to go to sleep a decent hour on Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. You're traveling around playing, come home, you're tired, so it keeps them you know, out of a whole bunch of foolishness and running the, you know, so I, I would love for them to, um, you know, stay with it in terms of keeping that discipline. I told, I told Amanu, both of them, even when they go to college, you know, you know, whether their school has a team or a club team, join, join that, mm-hmm. you know, you guys can ball, but you know, you'll, you'll be able to link with a whole culture and community of people that, um, you know, like Tony and I was 20 years you know? Yeah. Dang, yeah. And we were like, don't say that. It's history, though. Now we work but together. A, but that's now we're working point. together, socking the streets, and we got works, you know, but works that, going on. But that's but a bond you make playing the game. A bond you make playing the game. Yeah. And I think about, like, I mean, Tonya, Tess, I mean, Howard, I mean, being on, you know, being around the whole soccer community up there, I mean, boy, you, you know, it's, it was a whole different, you know, whole different, whole different ball game than. Just being a regular student yeah. up at Howard U, you know. Um, so I, I love I love the discipline and and just seeing kids develop the passion and the love for the for the sport, 
whether they become referees, whether they coach, whether, you know, whatever aspect, whether they become agents, you know, just having that pure love for the sport. So to see it grow mm-hmm. and, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, adding to that, um, yeah, so discipline is also key, but um, also for me, like personally, it kind of gives me a sense of purpose. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, I mean, obviously, like, um, yeah, so, sorry, anyways, um, so yeah, sense of purpose. I think for a lot of kids, like, some of them, I know I have a lot of friends on my team who maybe don't live in the best areas or not having the best, you know, time of their lives, you know what I mean? So, to be able to go, to, to be able to know that, hey, I have a team I can go to and train with tonight, and, um... Take my mind off some exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sometimes, like, for me, like, with, with school, when I'm stressed, you know, playing soccer helps relieve that stress. It helps with other issues I may have, you know, with, um, I had some, like, operations in the past for, um, my hearing aids, and so soccer kind of helped, like, you know, knowing once I recover, I can get back on that pitch and I can play some ball with all my mm-hmm. friends and stuff. So just being able to play at a, like, in youth soccer, anyways, like the system and the, like knowing that you can play soccer anytime you want at any given day, yeah, is is pretty meaningful to I think a lot of kids I in got, the U.S. I, I gotta add on to that. I mean, you bring up a good point. What I think is cool, I think what's awesome to see right now is. Yeah, I might sound like a dark person when it comes to a lot of stuff. You do, you do, you do. You're like, I'm like, are you still a coach? <laughs> like, but you get out there and say, we're gonna practice, but it's not gonna be fun. <laughs> Which is the opposite. If you I see know, me in it training, it is. I'm the most lively person, but I, I'm always going at the system, the structure, because I always think it can do better. And as far as like, I always think, you know, someone asked me why I do what I do, and I think. It, Part of the large reason why I'm so upset with soccer is because adults have messed it up. Yeah. Adults have messed it up. At the end of the day, it's a game, and we have messed it up. And I say we, and this is generations of adults. But what I think is incredible about what soccer is today is that you have options. When I go back to when I was a kid, you only really had like three options. You know, whether it's just you do free play, YMCA, or you was playing at a really high level. There was no in between. There was no gray area stuff. And so nowadays, there's a lot of gray area stuff. And so I think that's the cool thing about the game. It's grown so much within our country. The game has always been big in the, in the world aspect. But the fact that there's so many options. The fact that you can go to any city and you're seeing little signs by the highway saying, Hey, youth soccer program, sign up, register today. Billy Wino standing right next to it. And it's like you see that on every corner. I think the fact that you see all these options nowadays is a great thing. It's a good sign. It's yeah. a good sign, literally and figuratively. So as coaches growing up playing the game, you've mm-hmm. traveled and all that, can you say that soccer has finally made it in America? It's- I- <laughs> no, Greg, that's, that's, no, oh, it, Greg shaking Greg, your head. So yeah. they, they take a pause. But Greg, why do you don't play? Why do you feel soccer has not made it in America? When he just said you could go to any random town all across this country and there's youth soccer. He's, there's options now. There's academy. There's college. There's professional teams. There's professional academies. Like, there's levels to this. But we haven't made it? What's the next level? Pro rail, I guess, is what you're thinking? No. <laughs> 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 but no, I, I think that what you the main issue that you have there is that you still have an issue of where there's a economically not everyone is able to uh, to participate. And of course that that ultimately has a domino effect on what ultimately affects the professional game. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. What do you mean economically everyone can't participate? You could play for a recreational team for 25 bucks. Yeah, but that... In a lot of cities. Okay, but that's... That's playing, that's, right? That's, that's rec league, but at but, the same but, time... But that is... But at the end of the day, we're not talking about pro- producing national team players right now, right? Just, no, just, we're just, talking about playing. Just, just playing... Play, if you're just talking about just a strictly playing perspective, I would say it's getting there. It's still not there. 
What, what else would need to happen for you to say that we've made it? Soccer is I a think, sport. Because I don't think you can really look at it from just a, a strictly just a playing aspect. Because like, if you want to look at from all aspects of youth soccer, whether it be rec- recreational, club soccer, it's still not available to everybody. And until you fix that, you can't really say it's really made it because it's not available to everybody. Can I? I'll, I'll actually. Well, I agree and disagree. Not disagree. I agree, but that's not my main thing as far as like quote unquote made it. Mm-hmm. I know we've made it when ESPN is leading off with MLS games on the regular. Do you know? Wait, wait. This is the reason why I say no, no, because this is real talk. Right now, it's the summertime, right? And MLS, theoretically, all we have, we have Copa America, we got Gold Cup, Women's World Cup, all these soccer competitions. Halftime. And what's leading the talk? NBA. The Lakers free agency. Yeah, be- that's okay. when I know we've made it. Okay. When we're the lead story on sports talk, sports, ESPN, all that. We haven't made it yet. Now, yes, Women's World Cup, because obviously that's a world event. That's leading in, especially with and all the, the political stuff. Well. Yeah. You got U.S. Exactly. If U.S. wasn't the team, yeah, it would be Thailand. a different story. They're going to ride that wave. If, if it'll be a totally different story. But right now, when I turn on Skip and Bayless, all that, what are they leading off with? Fair enough. So, no, we haven't made it. We've made a lot of progress. Just like race relations, we've made a lot of progress. <laughs> we not we there have yet. not made it. Okay. Right. We're not there yet. So but hold on, hold on. Keep rising. Wasn't, wasn't racism fixed? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Donald Trump held that. No. My bad. <laughs> FIFA solved it two years ago. I forgot. Yeah, that's right. They right. solved that's it right. two years ago. FIFA solved racism, guys. So, Ringo, it, it's come a long way. Okay. And trust me, I know it has. The fact that our young ballers here, they can go on their phones and watch highlights of any star they love. Who's your favorite player? Uh, Lionel Messi. So you go Messi, you can watch a highlight of him real quick, and you can even start doing emulating but, all his moves. But I say it's funny that you say that. Like, so TV is an old medium. It is. You know what I mean? So how do you consume most of your media? On your phone, Through right? social, yes. yeah. Yeah, on my phone. So, yeah, if, so if you want to watch soccer or anything, do you ever turn on the TV? Like primarily, do you go to look for it on TV or do you look for it on the internet first? Um, well, like just today for the USA and France game, I turned on the TV. Mm-hmm. And then on my phone, I was watching the Argentina – oh, no, sorry. Was it Argentina versus Venezuela? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Argentina versus Venezuela game at the same time. So, yeah, yeah I like for the World Cup since it's – I I for in our house household for me and Miku, we only have like antenna channels, so like Fox and like maybe Man, ABC and that type of thing, right. right? So since I I had the luxury of just turning on Fox and you know knowing that the USA game was going to be on there because you know it's a big world event like he was saying, yeah. But um, but yeah, I think through my phone like I watch a lot of streams. I watch the Atlanta game versus Toronto on my phone, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really just a balance. It's a mix of both, really. I wouldn't say it's a balance, but it's a mix of both. Gotcha. Yeah. So let me ask you: Where do you go to, like, like to consume soccer media? Like, it's good to know, like, kind of what you, uh, like, the kids are looking for when they look for soccer. Like on my phone. Yeah. Like, 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 who do you listen to? Like, like, who are you looking for? Like, when you want to hear commentary about the game, like, like, talk about? Do you like look Copa ninety on YouTube? Is it like places like that? Um. Well. I go to 43. I go to like, I, I, I like, I like kind of like local kind of like Instagram pages. Like for instance, like they'll have like, that's focused on one thing, like Premier League chance rumors or that type of thing. So, um, Copa 90 is always on my phone. 43, um, is uh, like puberty sport is also on, um, there's a bunch of other things, but FTC UTD. <laughs> I, I just followed y'all today. I just followed y'all today. We're getting there. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. To the kids, we're breaking through. But um, yeah. So just I, I, like yeah. That, I mean, like there isn't a specific place where I go to, but I just want to make sure that all of them are available to me at any time. So whenever I'm scrolling through my phone on Instagram, for instance, yeah. I can see something about soccer. Yeah. Okay. What's the fa- what's the, what's the big deal about Snapchat? I don't get it. 
Uh, <laughs> His old man in rocket chair. Old, right? old, old man in rocket chair. That's usually me. He's the old man in rocket chair now. <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I to go back to what uh, what Tony was saying. You know, definitely when soccer is made a priority, you know, at least you know two or three days out of the week. Cause like it's just it's not too much different from the NFL where it's like you have. You have your big day on Saturday. You might have a big day on Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on the competition. And if you're not leading with those sports, with those games, it's like, okay. And and you're only given, like, maybe, like, two minutes to cover ten games. It's like, like how how are you really going to grow the, grow the game when you won't really give it the platform that, that it needs to grow? You know, like, you basically are, are limiting, limiting it to the diehards like us that, you know, we're going to go out there and, and seek it out. And a lot of people, a lot of the casual fans, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I watched during the World Cup, and that's, that's, that's about all the time I, I get it. So, all right, how do we, it kind of consistency around here mm-hmm. about the U.S. soccer youth system is broken. So if you had an unlimited budget to fix the system, what would you do? Let's go around. You, coach, you want to think about it? Anybody got a quick answer they can think the, about? The, the quick answer there would be uh, would be two things. One, I would provide every club from at least fourth division on up that had the, the funds to to fully resource their own academy program, mm-hmm. uh, and that way you. If it doesn't automatically get rid of pay-to-play immediately, at least it'll probably be able to get rid of it probably like within like five to six years. How sway? Well, because like it's well, if if Atlanta has an academy, mm-hmm. Atlanta's a big city. There's right. five million people in the city. Right. That academy's not going to be able to train every kid in Atlanta. Why not? So well, it just simply for the simple fact that logistics. Well, besides, uh, uh, so you're telling me like Atlanta, well, Atlanta Academy. Okay. If they, if every I, team I, had I one, they would have, out. you know what I'm saying? If they would have time meters. Time out. And that only covers boys. And, Bam. and that actually leads to another issue that <laughs> we'll, one of the things. We'll get there. We'll one, get there. One of the, short, <laughs> one of the shortcomings We're an hour of, in. of how the footprint of American soccer kind of works against itself. For the most part, we have a, our structure only allows basically like, like, at best, two team, two major teams in one in one major market. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you go to any other major city around the world, whether it's in Europe, South America, Asia, whatever, there's more likely there's at least three or four teams in that in that major market. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, of course, the the main uh, example there would be like London, where like they got like 14 clubs in the top three divisions. Mm-hmm. Whereas, so, so like, so. Like to to your point, you know Atlanta can't cover all of Atlanta, and like you couldn't have like Arsenal cover like all of London, gotcha. but you have you have Chelsea, you have Fulham, you have you have Spurs, like you have all these other teams that that are able to help supplement that footprint. So in your model, it's so with your limited budget, it's grow the game in the United States where multiple cities have multiple clubs that have academies. I think it's very necessary. That, that, that essentially can train boys and girls. Yeah. In this game. Yeah. Don't yeah. Mean? I agree with that. Um It doesn't this this my idea is style of play. Mm-hmm. So you know, I would I would encourage a lot of these kids to go to South America, Europe, Africa, different p- places to kind of embrace a, a because yeah, the jinga, the yeah. jinga of the game, you know, and that rhythm, thing. yeah, the jinga, yeah. the jinga of the game, and you got to think that you know, like my kids, the Ethiopian American, so they're growing here, but Amanu made the point, hey, I could play. I could play on the Ethiopian national team or get dual citizenship if I wanted to because mm-hmm. that bloodline is there. So you have Hispanic kids, you have the African, and you see see it going on. You see the model that's happening here in Atlanta, and to you know to kind of implement that model where we're embracing the kids in Clarkston and the kids from you know and pushing that to the to the national team. You know, I think our style of play has been kind of you know. One way, and until we change that up, I don't see I don't see us really being competitive on. You know, it was a comment made uh, 
about Freddie Adu. And we know what happened with his career, but when he was at his prime, the U.S. national team wasn't really embracing the style of play. He played a more African, South American style of play. They weren't embracing that. Right. They wanted to have a big striker up there, yeah. not so much creativity in the box and the Real play. Real rigid, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, the um, when we start when we start to implement um, our cultural diversity in terms of from the youth and, mm-hmm. and the kids that maybe you know have lineage from other cultures and and that yeah. you know. So, I, w- I would more so encur- en- encourage that if I had a budget, you so, know. So. So, so to reiterate, so you're like, all right, so we take the the Grego model. Let's let's have more clubs within cities, yeah. developing kids, paying for it, yeah. and also have those clubs have their own identity of play. Yes. So yes. then you style have this diversity of style within multiple cities really? that can transfer up throughout the ranks. Of well, the you got a South yeah, because we got everything. We got South American. We got, you know, we yeah. got African. We got European. But, but even, like, have it be, like how you said, like a South Side, like South Side South swag. Side. You, yeah. You got, you got a Lithonia. Yeah. Like a Lithonia. That'd be dope as shit. Okay. You got yeah. a Southeast D.C. style. Yeah. yeah. So, let, let's let's come to the Dark Lord, Tony. He's gonna say, "I'll, I'll take my money and I'll blow the whole system up." How did you know? How did you know? No, um, hey, who hurt you? U.S. Soccer. No, I, there's no one answer to this. I mean, this thing is not a one quick fix thing. No, it's hypothetical. No, it is hypothetical. But to be honest, Ringo, I mean, like it's a multi-layered answer because, like, it becomes facets of this like the way football and basketball become you know pastimes of our country is because like it hit on multiple levels you have school level you have um college level you have what's known with the music you have what's known in the news you have what's known like within religion even so like it's multi-layered as far as how this sport becomes acceptable in the norm um you know until um who would you say is the top rapper right now? No, he's old, man. You know, you know. Top rapper right now? <laughs> right now. Right now. Right now. Today. Today. The baby. The baby. Okay. He might be right. Um, he might. <laughs> all right. Uh, so sure. Is, is that the baby or, little, or is it little baby? Is there, is, is there a difference? The nah, baby. baby. Okay. <laughs> That's the real There's baby. There's so many babies, baby. You know how they say the real H.U.? That's the real baby. Stop. <laughs> So, so I, I, I mean, there's, there's cultural start. I mean, like the fact until like things are accepted mainstream. The fact that like if I say Kobe, you already know what I mean. Mm-hmm. If I say I'm on my '96 Bull, you already know what I mean. Until I say '98 France, kids are gonna be like what? Well, so because kids were Z-Don? born until like, Z-Don. but no, <laughs> was he born in '96? No, but oh, he knows. He said, he said no. Do you know who Michael Jordan is? Yeah. All right then. Thank right. you. But if you go in France, do you they, know who who uh, Patrick Vieira is? Yeah. See, he's immersed in the culture. He's immersed, but it's not mainstream. He's not mainstream. Yeah. I, I hear about Michael Jordan much more than Patrick Vieira. Okay. Do you see any kids buying Pogba's? No. See, you know they shake they, they See they in wet. these other places. So that's what I'm saying. Football is culture. Uh-huh. It's the way of life. From you, know, we know that we embrace it. You right. know. And it's good. I, I can't wait till the day he said, yo, I'm about to get the Zimbabwe's, man. Yo, you seen the Mbappe's, yo? They're coming with right. Mbappe's. Yo. Right? It's coming, though. So yeah. that, that's what I'm saying. It's multi-layered as far as, like, no matter how much money you have or whatever, it's not just saying, okay, I'm going to throw all my money into youth development, this and that. It's not just that. Gotcha. It's such a comprehensive answer. Yeah, it it is. really is. So it's not just I, I, one I, I'm sorry. I try to keep it within the time frame of the podcast. Nah, you but you know me, man. <laughs> you know, man. You I got call, a little academia in me, man. I got <laughs> Calling the bell on us, man. You try to trying to wrap this up, man. No, no, right. well, no. I'm just saying. I'm trying to keep it within. You know, I know it's deeper. It's deeper than rap. You know, like it is real. Like, so we talk about with well, this episode is about the youth game. So I'm trying to keep us on track talking about the youth. We're not talking about the, the cultural aspects and things like that. No, so, but there there oh, is. It's it's all that, and that's why we. That's youth. why I joined this movement of coaching? for the culture. Oh, for the culture because for the culture. Is impacting the youth. Very and I much think so. The culture, the youth is a big part of that and moving the game of soccer. Yeah, I, got I mean, so- like just like just like the civil rights movement, the civil rights movement didn't move until when? All right, 
Jesse Jackson. <laughs> the kids got a ball. <laughs> so that's right, cold blood. Right, so I, I, so I've, just I've the asked, same thing I've, with soccer. The movement of soccer ain't gonna move to what? Okay. So the kids take over. We're the kids, yeah, bro. We're kids, bro. It's a new generation. Just right. So, it's man, it's all about so, so man, man. I, you've heard from the old men. Yeah. You heard from us. So in your eyes, from your your space in the world, you know, you're you're at the age where you're starting to see the world, and you can see where you can manipulate the world. Uh, what would it take for soccer to grow in America and to become mainstream and actually make it here? Um, I think you know soccer is a very challenging sport to learn. I feel like a lot of kids in the US when they first start to play soccer, like say like a, a kid has been playing basketball his whole life, right? With hand you know, like he might have good footwork, but when you play soccer, I feel like they're like first thing that I see a kid do is kick with his toe. And you know, you just kind of like <laughs> you want to explain like Break the, the techniques of the game, the <laughs> fundamentals, and I think that if you I think exposure is a big thing because a lot of in basketball you can just hey you can shoot it and if you make it you're like oh I want to like learn how to do this but in soccer it's it's a little bit more complicated than that you know what I mean so I think like if I mean it's I think exposure is like the main problem that we have like they may hear about it but have they ever played soccer mm-hmm. not really I mean for me I remember um, in sixth grade I went on a trip up north for a camping trip and so I bought a soccer ball with me and about four of the 20 kids in my class play soccer including me so I was like okay well maybe we can get a little game going together you know what I mean so I asked my classmates hey do you guys want to play soccer and they're like yeah sure why not and it was um it was a lot more fun than they expected it to be like I knew it'd be fun like regardless but It was raining and we played in the rain and they were like, wow, this is so much more fun than I expected. And so for them, I was like, yeah, you should really just learn the game. And I feel like if more kids were to be able to get exposed like that, like how I exposed my classmates in sixth grade, if more kids were being able to get exposed like that, then they would, you know, kind of be having more better focus towards it. You know what I mean? Like try to like be more committed and dedicated to learning how to play. I mean, since I've been raised playing soccer, it's different for me, but for other kids, I think that they need to be exposed in the U.S. and how, like, youth is a big movement for how um, Tony was saying. I think that that's pretty much the key to to it. And it, and it kind of reminds me of, like, like what we discussed a few weeks back when we had uh, Kiana Martin on the show, like, how she was talking about how kids would see, like, her training out in the streets and everything and, and get curious and like it's like they're in a lot of ways they're kind of nervous about you know kind of expressing their interest right yeah. and, and like i said all it takes is just you know one person to kind of just put it out there and say like hey look like just give it a shot you know like once you once you get do at least that you know you'll be in a position where you know that that spark grows mm-hmm. and you know that it doesn't take much they're just uh you know it's almost like you you you're it's interest by association. You know how you have guilt by association, it's interest by association. Yeah. Gotcha. They need to see it, man. They need to see it every day. Gotcha. I remember being in uh the fourth ward, old fourth ward. Um I lived in Bedford Pines. Actually had a soccer in the streets team over there, Tony, with mm-hmm. Jill. Mm-hmm. But um I remember one Friday night out in the street we start balling. Me and a couple of the homies. Next thing you know, Three youth join in, three youth. So when they see it like that, and they fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Never played before, we turning them into bucket. We were all balling. We were playing. Right. And they jumped in, and they're athletic. They see it. They see, you know, we got dreads and locks, right. and we all, you know, balling out. And they, um, you know, cool jerseys on. They see, you know. So it's it's, it's coming. It's, it's going to take a gener- some generational, you know, generational uh growth mm-hmm. you like know i'm, with I'm, it, I'm really curious to see like like what type of effect the world cup when it comes here to the oh, states like like what type of effect that's going to have on that next generation yeah, because it, it, it's it all depends on where they put it you know what i mean they need to put it here yeah, we know that yeah it's like if they put it like because we have a metropolitan stadium but they're going to put for the amount of people they want in the stadium they're going to put it in nfl stadiums most nfl stadiums are out in the country 
You know what I mean? Like you know, like Foxborough yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, like I it, that you know, I see I, I see what you mean. Like if they mm. would put it like in the heart of the city, Toyota Field, they would mm. put it in Atlanta. They would put it in. Well, hopefully, um, we get the semifinals. Yeah, right? yeah, that would be awesome to have here. They know they yeah. want the they want they want it the Benz yeah. or, what, or whatever it's called by twenty twenty six. It might be called the Yukon. I don't know. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I think. I think that's a good that's a good button on the youth. That's yeah, so for now, for now, yeah, for now. I, I like so you know the kind of key takeaways is you know the, the youth system it has a long way to go. There's a lot of people exploiting it that should not be have anywhere near a child trying to like love this game, and also exposure, exposure, exposure to the game, expose your kids to the game, sit down, watch them, play with them. Get out here in the streates. And finally, like, can I get them in Mbappe's? Like, seriously. Yeah. Trying to get them yeah. Mbappe's. Got <laughs> them Mbappe threes. You got them Mbappe threes. Mbappe's. Well, man, this was a great episode. Thank y'all for having y'all, man. Bless up. Bless Thank up. you. I had a lot of fun. Anytime you want to come on and you want to bring your boys, y'all talk about whatever. If you, you guys sna- if you want to Snapchat Grego, you can find him. Yeah. <laughs> I do have a Snapchat. I mm-hmm. couldn't even say like how to get on there. But uh, yeah, before we go, um, I know uh, uh, the way you you got a project that you've been working on. I want to make sure that we uh, we give oh, a little bit of uh, shine. Uh, tell us tell us about that. Yeah, beautiful game project. You know, we're pushing the music and the arts. You know, with the soccer culture and. Um, you know, raising some social awareness and most importantly, raising some funds to sponsor these youth that we feel have the potential to play at a high level and uh, be challenged, you know, whether it's equipment, whether it's the cost of going to these clubs, um, travel, um, giving them cultural experiences, uh, you know, taking them abroad. Um, that's what we're using our, our musical platform. Big up Archie United, Archie Eversoul, you know, um, uh, uh, stick from Dead Prez. We got some 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 heavy hitters coming in that um, you know is loving the health and fitness. And yeah, we're just using our platform to uh, build and gather some resources for these youth. Keep pushing the culture, you know. Find the beautiful game project. Well, yeah. If they well, wanted to donate, they wanted to help out. How do they reach you? Well, yeah. You can find us. Uh, um, well, you can go to the website www.easternstandardmusic.com. Um, find us on the gram. Beautiful game project. Um, you know, we're going to be uh, keep your ear out. You know, a big event coming forward. We got Adidas on board with us and working with some other powerful entities. So. So it's coming very, very soon, you know, for the culture, always, you know. And, uh, yeah, so soon come. Just keep your ears and your eyes open. Beautiful Game Project, BGP. There we go. Hey, so thanks for having y'all once again for Ringo, Grego, Coach Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Catch us on the phone. FTC. UTD. <laughs> see, that's why I'm about to have you on my Bobby Brown. But, uh, <laughs> see, I'm going to rap trans, man. Y'all. Oh, uh, God. See, yes. <laughs> Catch up with the We'll be back soon enough. Feelings over yeah, here. we'll be back, man. This hey, is for the culture. We out. Tony in the corner, all sensitive, man. <laughs> hey, we out of here, y'all. We out. <laughs>